on Nash Icon, WRKN, Picayune, New Orleans. Good morning, and welcome to the 27th year of the Three Tailgaters Show on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. The Three Tailgaters Show is presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. The Three Tailgaters Show is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics and by Francesca's by Katie's in New Orleans, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. The Three Tailgaters are also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln, by LifeGate Church in Metairie, by Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, Life Resources Ministries, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, and by Premier Automotive. Promotional consideration is provided by Venezia Restaurant on North Carrollton Avenue, Two Tony's Restaurant at West End, Perrin's Restaurant in Harahan, Reginelli's Pizzeria, with locations throughout the metro area, Ye Old College Inn on Carrollton Avenue, Messina's at the Terminal and Runway Cafe at Lakefront Airport, by Copeland's of New Orleans and Kenner at the Esplanade Mall, Desi Vegas Seafood and Steakhouse in Metairie, Chateau Cafe, with locations in New Orleans and Kenner, Moe's Pizza in West Wego, Hooters Restaurants in Metairie and Gretna, Geo's Pizza and Spaghetti House in Metairie, Hobnobber Cafe in Metairie, Fat Boys Pizza on Metairie Road, by Mike Sirio's Pull Boys and Deli on St. Charles Avenue, by That's Amore Pizzeria in Metairie, Bears Pull Boys on Causeway Boulevard at Metairie Road, Fury's Restaurant on Martin Berman in Metairie, and by Manning's Restaurant at Harris Casino on Fulton Street. Now here are your hosts of the Three Tailgaters Show, Ed Daniels, Sports Director of WGNO and WNOL, CrescentCitySports.com, and the Clarion Herald, and Cumulus Radio New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, and the Kenner Star. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Three Tailgaters Show here on 106.1 FM. Nash Icon, we're on the web at nashfm1061.com. Our tune-in app available for you anytime, anywhere in the world via iHeart. You can get us via Alexa by saying play WRKN or play Nash Icon 106.1 FM. You can email us, ed at wgno.com, ken at crescentcitysports.com. Question and we'll put it on the air for you. Or you can call the show at 504-260-1061. Ed Daniels, sports director of WGNO, host of Friday Night Football, course of 106.1 FM Nash Icon, the Clarion Herald, and CrescentCitySports.com. My brother and co-host joining me as always. Ed, good morning to you. Kenneth, how are you? I'm doing fine. Good to hear from you. Good, good to have good you with us. I know you, you had a long night and probably a prosperous night, right? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, we had a great night, uh, enjoyed the show, and, uh, you know, got home about 1 o'clock, 1.30, and we're ready to go. Let's do it again. There you go, and we're doing just that. So happy to be here and ready to bring you a lot. I want to tell you about what's coming up here on 106.1 FM today and on Crescent City Sports coming up at 2 o'clock, 1.45 pregame simulcast. It will be St. Charles Catholic against De La Salle from Tad Gormley Stadium, where I reside right now. And that will be live on 106.1 FM as well as simulcast on CrescentCitySports.com. So two ways to get it. We hope you'll tune in and watch on 106.1 FM and on CrescentCitySports.com. Really good game, Sal and St. Charles Catholic. Then at 7 p.m. tonight on CrescentCitySports.com, another really good game. 
5A Power Zachary against a really good Division I team in St. Augustine. 6.45 pregame show, 7 o'clock play-by-play. Jonah Keller will join me for the call of Doha South St. Charles coming up at 2. And then tonight at 7, VK Jones and Eric Brown will have the call for you, and we surely look forward to that. Should be good. All good. 504-260-1061 to join in the conversation. And we'll have a couple of really good guests coming up. Archie Manning will join us in the next segment to talk about Tulane and Ole Miss. Remember him, that third tailgater? And then we'll also visit later on with Bryce Brown of the Car Cougars off of a big win over John Curtis Christian. But first up, very significant last night. And I know very few people paid attention, knew or otherwise, but we do because in Baton Rouge, Martin Luther King Charter defeated Estruma 20-7. Significant on so many levels. It's a win. It's a big win. But it's a new football program. And what a way to start. After being delayed because of Hurricane Ida, have a chance to play a game first and foremost was a win. But then to go on the road and win the first game in the history of the school program is pretty significant too. Joining us now to talk about the win and about the entire experience, the head coach of Martin Luther King Charter, he is Joe Riley. And Joe, listen, first and foremost, congratulations. Uh, very hearty congratulations to you from Ed and I. And, and uh, listen, uh, it had to be a wonderful experience, right? Yes, it was. It was It was a really good experience and great for the kids and great for the program. Well, tell uh, us about the did. game. You saw it? Yeah, sounds like you're out of game right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I bleed football, so wherever there's any type of football, I'm somewhere around it. Yeah, I, I have to, I have to be somewhere close. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's in my blood, and I, I, I love to do it. I can do it seven days a week. Uh, that I can hear that in your voice, Joe. Listen, tell us about the game itself. Obviously, we weren't there and didn't see it. Tell us about how the game unfolded. You went twenty to seven. Uh, tell us a little bit about how the game unfolded. Uh, well, the first kickoff, uh, Leroy Page uh, took it 98 yards to the house uh, on the first kickoff. And uh, we went in. We uh, missed the uh, extra point. Then uh, they got a big 6'5 receiver, number five. I can't think of his name. Mm-hmm. They drove down and beat us on a fade ball. Uh, and they scored. It was 7-6 all the way up until like the uh, halftime. At halftime, no, we were down 14-6 at halftime. No, no, we were... 7-6, we were, uh, yeah. You were up 14-6. I'm sorry, because yeah, yeah. we were up 14-6. And uh, after that, we just, we, we, we was able to stop the really good running back. They had a five-star running back, four five-star running back. We held him to, number five didn't catch any more passes. Uh, number four, the tailback didn't get any more yards. He kind of took himself out in like the second quarter or whatever. So we were able to make some adjustments and really slow them down. Uh, we threw a touchdown. We threw a touchdown to make it 14-6. And then we came back and sealed the deal with the uh, with the zone read toward the left. And uh, quarterback kept it, walking in zone, and it was a ball game. But it was a what's great your, ball game, man. Mm-hmm. What's your, what's your, tell us, tell the audience about your quarterback. Tell us about his name and his classification and what – and what kind of player he yeah, is? Yeah, we have we have two quarterbacks. One is my son. He started the game. Uh, he's number six. He's a tenth grader. And then we have another quarterback. We're, we don't have a starter. They kind of rotate. Whatever the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator feel had a better week in practice that week. Uh, and we have another quarterback. His name is uh, Eric Chanu. He's the uh, he's the other quarterback. Uh, they're both tenth grade, so they're growing with the program. 
we did a two quarterback system last year. Uh, so we're basically doing the same thing again this year. It works out because if anybody goes down, we know we have someone else to run our offense. So, you know, football is a dangerous sport. So we, we keep on uh, trying to make sure we have a viable backup at quarterback. How, is, uh, how does Eric spell his last name, Coach? Uh, I think it's C-H-E-N-E-A-U. Got it. Yeah, sure. And what's your son's first name? His name is Joseph. Joseph yep, Ryan the fourth. Okay. And the uh, the touchdown pass. Who threw the touchdown pass, Coach? Eric Chenu. Eric threw the touchdown pass, and then yep. and then you said uh, you, you 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 also had a touchdown run. Who ran for the touchdown? Eric Chenu did it right, too. So he did. A, okay. Yep. Ran and passed. Okay. And who caught the touchdown pass for you? Oh, uh, I can't say. I don't now I'm really testing. You, okay. Can't say. Can't say a quill. Can't say a quill. Can't caught the touchdown pass. Can't I say got a quill. How's he receiver? Yes, he's the left. There you go. He's a junior. Okay. And how does he spell his name, Coach? Before we talk about uh, the, the game itself. It's uh, uh, man, don't make me lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to I find it. First name is K E N T apostrophe E, and a quill. I, I tell. I think it's A Q U I L E. Got it. A quill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I, he's probably gonna. He's probably gonna be sending me a text. And I just try to give you and I just trying to give your kids some good publicity and you as well. So we just wanted yep. to get all the facts straight. So that's how Martin Luther King scored. It was seven six yep. of the half Strom and, and Martin Justin, Luther King controlled Justin the second Darryl, half. Justin mm-hmm. Darrell had about two hundred and fifty uh rushing. Uh he okay. really yep. uh he really grind. He I think he had about maybe about twenty twenty five carries. I mean he really we we read that was that's how we was able to steal the deal. Uh, you know we had a few legs. We you know we we're, we're a run first team. Mm-hmm. Set up the pass. So giving it to him, man. He really dug deep. He had to go both ways this game. He played some linebacker, made some big stops on the goal line. Uh, they tried to get it in, and he stopped. He uh, come through a gap and made a big stop on fourth and goal. Uh, and, and how does how does, he, he ju- how does Justin? How does Justin spell his last name, Coach? It's D-O-Y-L-E. Got it. Doyle. Okay. All right. So 20-7 to win for Martin Luther King over a streamer. Now we can talk about the program. Ed, I know you want to congratulate Coach and talk to him as well. Coach, how, congratulations. How, how um, difficult is it to start something up from scratch like this? Oh, man. It was uh, especially starting it up and the pandemic hit. <laughs> I got. I actually signed my contract to start this program on the 11th of March. The pandemic hit March the 13th, so it was like, wow, how are we gonna put it together? But uh, my guard sits high and looks low, so he uh, he really uh, he really put some things in place. We got a few kids here there. They had some kids already at the school waiting to play, and we just start getting kids from basically the neighborhood and. It was just like it just kept coming together more and more and more and more and more and more. So it was extremely hard to try to put it together. And it's, you know, you can't, nobody really knows what's going on over there. So it was, uh, it was definitely difficult. But I have coaches that uh, we're all, we all kind of put this thing together. And like I tell them, yeah, I'm the head coach, but uh, Gunn's control of this football team. I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I don't, uh, I don't disappoint him. 
Very well stated. And clearly the, the wait was worth it, right? Uh, talk oh, about the, yeah, the kids that you have. How many kids do you have right now playing, Coach? Maybe 35, mm -hmm. about 35, 40. Uh, we, we got about 35, 40. We don't have, we don't have many kids going both ways. Uh, we lost one, one kid to, uh, after the Hurricane Ida, went to uh, Atlanta, never come back. Uh, we lost another kid. He went out to uh, Covington, who started for us last year. They were both, one was, a, one was an eighth grader last year, the other one was a ninth grader. So we lost another ninth grader, tenth grader this year. Uh, so we were, we really, we, went, we lost two kids. One went to Texas, never come back. Other one went to Atlanta, didn't come back. So we were kind of trying to start back over again and try to put this thing together because parents felt that other places were going to be better for their kids at the time. Joe Eiley of Martin Luther King with us now. The Jaguars 20-7 to last night over Estruma. First win in the program's history. Ed? Coach, uh, tell us about your schedule uh, moving forward. Well, uh, like I told the kids last night, we lived this game down. Got 24 hours this morning. Uh, it's all about South Plaquemine High School. They're the best team that we're going to play on the schedule. As far as that's the way I feel about it. Every week, the team that's of that week, that's the best team on the schedule. We have uh, South Plaquemine next Friday. And then we have uh, uh, Warren Eastern Eagles, who's going uh, to be a ball game. Those guys, are, they've been to the Dome a few times. They are loaded with talent. And we're going we're gonna to we're gonna find out exactly what we're going to be able to do to, uh, to really be successful in that particular ball game. But it's going to be a ball game. It's going to be a ball game. In two weeks, we play them on Thursday night. In two weeks at uh, Pan American Stadium. Uh, that's going to be a good one. And then we start district right after the Eastern game. It'll be uh, Sophie Wright. Then we go to uh, Booker T. And then we have 35. Then we have Douglas. Then we have Abelson. That's our district schedule. But uh, that Easter game is going to be a good one, man. They they got yeah, they got talent all over the place. That Warren Easton, they're well coached. They got a good scheme going, and uh, I got to tell the coaches all the time, man. We got to be able to coach our way through. Got to be able to coach our way through. Coach, when you look at this schedule, when you look at your district, how do you see the district this season? Well, right now we're just going to take it one game at a time. I'm not. I don't want to take anyone lightly. Booker T has been on top. For a while, uh, I helped uh, help Coach Reese. I was Coach Reese's uh, defensive coordinator when he started that program uh, for a couple years. So, I mean, he's a good football coach, so he's going to have – he's got talent. He's going to put some things together. Uh, coach Dad's over at 35. They always are good. Um, coach, coach Darcy over at uh, Sophie Wright is, is doing a great job trying to put that thing together. So what we want to do is every week just take one game at a time and just be better than that team on that particular day. That's all we can do, one game at a time. Ed? Well, Coach, I tell you what, it's a fantastic start, and uh, great to see you doing well. I thank you so much, sir. I greatly appreciate you. Well, listen, we're glad to provide the publicity. You deserve it, and so glad that you've gotten a chance to play because that was my final thought is just what did it mean to finally get on the field after the pandemic last year, trying to start a program, after Hurricane Ida this year and having games canceled, to finally see the kids on the field, what did it mean to them? What did it mean to you? And what did it mean to the school? It meant everything. It meant it meant everything. My my athletic director was, was extremely excited. 
Uh, Coach Mack was extremely excited to uh, to get the game going. Uh, my kids were excited. They were they were they were happy and they, they were excited. They were energized. Uh, it was just great for the school itself, being that it's a football program. And you know, with a high school, you know, it's, it's a lot of times you're only as good as your your school is only as good as your football team. So. You know, we got, we, we're trying to put that thing together as much as possible, and uh, I'm extreme. The, the kids were extremely excited. I was, I was ecstatic because, uh, you know, it was a dogfight at the end. We really, we really put something together. The kids never quit, and uh, we had to come up with some really big stops, made some some big plays at the end. So we did, we did a really good job. Uh, it was just so good for those kids, and as well as the program and. Dr. Moore and my CEO, so everybody was extremely excited. They were happy, so I, I, I was happy as well. Well, what a start for the Jaguars of Martin Luther King as they defeated Struma by the score of 20-7 to in Baton Rouge last night. You get a chance to hear about it here and get a chance to hear about this program as they get off the ground in great fashion under head coach Joe Riley. Joe, listen, congratulations once again. Couldn't be happier for you, for the, the school community, for the community at large, and, and for the kids that just had a chance to finally get out and get away from the distractions that have been part of our lives for, what, the past year and a half or so, right? Yeah, right, right. Trying to get back into some normality, you know, this time of the year is about football. It's about football. It's, everybody want to know who's going to be where, who's going to do what. For me, it's want to be who, who's going to be good in 3A, who... What does Madison Prep look like? What does St. James look like? What does Jennings look like? Uh, so uh, it's, it's so much good football out here in Louisiana. We, we don't get a, enough respect on, on, on how good the high school football is here. Well, you're going to earn respect by doing what you did last night, and uh, what a way to start with a victory, Coach. Listen, congratulations once again. We appreciate you joining us this morning, and nothing but success moving forward, including next week. You hear? Uh, thank you so much, sir. Our pleasure. That's uh, Joe Riley of Martin Luther King Charter. Ed, that's a good story. I mean, really, you know, here they are last year. He gets the job, and two days later, the pandemic gets, and everything gets shut down. They don't even get a chance to play. They have to wait another year to play. Then you get the hurricane, and you get games canceled, and then they finally get to play, and they go on the road and win. That's pretty stout, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's just nice to see a, you know, a startup program have some success. And look, we've seen some programs over the years, Kenny, since we've been doing these programs on radio and television that have started up and became uh, become very, very good. And uh, I think this is another one. No question about it. So congratulations to the Jaguars. Job well done and a great start for that program and maybe the start of something really good to come. We're just getting started. We have lots to come. Coming up a little bit later in the hour, Bryce Brown, the godfather on Carr's big win over John Curtis Christian. But when we return in a moment, the Three Tailgaters show has been on air for like three decades now. God, it was our third tailgater. will join us next for so many years. Archie Manning. We'll talk to Archie about Tulane and Ole Miss when we return following this brief timeout. You're listening to the Three Tailgaters show. Ed Daniels, Ken Trahan, Rudy Dixon, and you here on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and on the web we're at NashFM1061.com Conventional wisdom said we couldn't make a 400 horsepower sedan that's also a plug-in hybrid At Volvo, we don't follow conventional wisdom, the all-new Volvo S60 Learn more at volvocars.com forward slash US To experience our idea of luxury visit Bergeron Volvo 
on Vets in Metairie or online at bergeronvolvo.com today. Top service, locally owned, outstanding deals, conveniently located, professionals motivated to sell where the customer comes first. That describes the experience at Premier Automotive Group, where you'll find the best prices anywhere on Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Kia. Premier Automotive offers a warranty for life on its vehicles and a money-back guarantee. Visit my friend Troy Duhon at one of his outstanding dealerships, Toyota of New Orleans, Premier Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Premier Honda in New Orleans, Premier Nissan in Metairie, and Premier Kia in Kenner. If you need to get the word out about your business and the goods and services you have to provide for our community, simply give us a call at 504-581-7002 or log on to nolacumuluscares.com and we will get the word out to the New Orleans area for you. It's very simple. Give us a call at 504-581-7002 and we will get the word out to the New Orleans area for you. Your messages will be heard on air and helping to rebuild our community. For 15 years, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl has been proud to support one of the area's great traditions, high school football, and the Prep Football Player of the Week Award. The RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl's weekly recognition of excellence on the field of high school student athletes reflects our understanding of the importance of athletics in the development of our youth. The Prep Player of the Year will be presented the Ronald D. Gardner Award on the field at the Caesar Superdome during the 2021 RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Saturday night, December 18th. Tickets available now at NewOrleansBowl.com. Just tuning in? We're just getting started with the Three Tailgaters Show on 1061 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. What are you waiting for? Call 504-260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan and Ed Daniels. So glad you've joined us here this morning. And again, congratulations to Martin Luther King Charter for their big win last night. And, of course, next week, as mentioned, uh, they, they have to turn the page quickly, and they do that. And, obviously, they focus on South Plaquemine. So many people dealing with so much to be able to get on the field and play from so many different regions of southeast Louisiana. It's 504-260-1061 to join in the conversation. We'll hook up with Archie Manning shortly. We'll hook up with Bryce Brown shortly. But, uh, Ed, you, you had a chance to get more games covered last night. Things starting to get a little bit closer to normal by next week, maybe even closer, although some stadiums are still in uh, in a bit of a repair phase, and I don't know where people are going to play next week. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I don't really um, know if we'll get back to normal during this regular season, and I say that in this regard, Kenny. Well, of course, we have hurricane recovery. That's one thing, but also the, the situation with the stadiums. We're going to have a lot of games on Saturday, and we're going to have a lot of games played on Friday afternoon. I know some schools, you know, they don't have their lights. So they're going to have to play in the, in the daylight. And if you're playing in the daylight, then you really have a choice of either, you know, sometime earlier on Saturday or, or, yep. or 2 o'clock in the yep. afternoon on Friday. Because remember, we're going to lose daylight savings time here right. pretty soon. So it's going to be uh, an unusual year in that regard. And... Um, you know, it's been back-to-back -back years of uh, pretty unusual circumstances. No doubt. There'll be some interesting circumstances in Oxford tonight when Tulane takes on Ole Miss, a couple of prolific offenses in what should be an intriguing football game. Joining us now to talk a little bit about that, 
Our good and great friend. I've been, again, we've been on the air for 30 years with this show, and this guy was our third tailgater way back in the day, and uh, not too long ago, but we always loved having him with us. He's a great friend and a good man, and he is, of course, Archie Manning. Archie, how are you? Welcome back. Oh, good. We used, to yeah. we, used to bother you. we used to bother you on Saturday mornings all the time, so here we are bothering you again, man. Well, you're not bothering me, and uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Well, listen, it's great to have you with us. And first and foremost, you guys made out okay with the storm. Your family's fine. Everybody's good. Yes, we did. We were very, very fortunate, blessed. We made out. We made out fine. So, uh, just like everyone, trying to put all this in the rearview mirror and get going here. Well, Archie, obviously, a lot of interesting times. Want to talk about Ole Miss in Tulane with you, but I, I'd be remiss not to at least get you to comment on. Uh, you just never know what to expect. Week one on any level, college, high school, pro. We've seen that on the high school level this week. We've seen it on the college level with Tulane almost beating Oklahoma. And then on the professional level, to see the Saints just totally dismantle the Packers. I mean, I don't think anybody could have expected that. Uh, I Certainly a lot of people thought the Saints could win, myself included. But, I mean, there's just no way to explain that. That's just an amazing job by the Saints, right? No, they did. They played a great game, and no, no one would expect that. He'd kind of think it was going to be a uh, real real solid, close game. Um, you, you might even worry a little bit about the Saint being dis Saints being displaced uh, by the storm, being over uh, in Texas practicing and not getting to play at home, playing, I guess you'd call it a neutral field. But Sean and some of the coaches, not, not many players, few players, uh, been through that before, and uh, gosh, they handled it just just incredible what they did. Now, you, you know, the the big surprise was um, was the Packers and not being able to come up with any offense. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a great player. This the Saints do have a really good defensive ball club, though, and then um, their offensive line is one of the best in the league. Very proud of Jameis, uh, the way he played the quarterback position, and. Uh, it was just a great. It was a great coaching job by the Saints, and uh, they played hard. And um, it, uh, it, was a, it was a great start, really a great start to the season. Ed, you know, Archie, I'm watching the other team on Sunday, Green Bay, and I thought to myself, how how can it be that you know, and the Saints played great, not taking anything away from them, but how can they seemingly be flat for a season opening game? I'm trying to figure that out. Did you, did you yeah, that you. Um, true? I would say it's funny. I was talking to a lot of people. Uh, there's nothing like opening day. It really isn't. There's nothing like opening day. Just as a player, as a coach, that feeling you had to get it going and so forth. So yeah, it's a big shock. But you know, that's football. And uh, somebody always used to tell me that that thing is oblong and it takes funny bounces. And uh, the big deal was they couldn't run the football. And that affects even great quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers. When you when you can't run it, I mean it's tough. It's really, and especially the Saints can can come with pressure. And um, so it'll be interesting to watch this Packer team. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch them Monday night uh, against Detroit and just kind of see how they bounce back and where they are, maybe where they are talent wise, you know, and where they are with their ability to run the football. And uh, you know, not putting Aaron Rodgers kind of in a, in a tough tough spot each week. So we'll see. 
Well, the Saints off to a great start. Now they've dealing with a ton of injuries with COVID and everything else. And uh, before we talk about Tulane Ole Miss, that, that really is the NFL. It's, it's truly week to week, isn't it, Arch? Well, it is. You know, guys, the last two years, I, I hadn't really dug in and asked a bunch of pro coaches or college coaches what it was really like last year. Uh, but it, it had to be unique in that there's no other, no other year like it. And, uh, and it's still... Is still going on. I mean, it's better this year, and a lot of things are different. But here you go into the second game of the year with you got what six or seven coaches that are out for a game. I mean, that's unprecedented in in pro football. Um, and it, and still, you know, cases of uh, of COVID. There's a uh, concern, uh, precautions you take, and then you know, on the Saints level and around here, the storm and how the storm has affected. Uh, the Saints, how the storms affected Tulane and college, some college games. And uh, y'all were mentioning earlier, listening to you, unbelievable what it's done to the these poor high school teams in the area. And last year, you know, as you said, two years in a row to have their season disrupted after all the hard work they put into it, it's, it's really a shame. All right, Archie, we flip the page now because in Oxford this evening – it's the Rebels of Ole Miss against the Green Wave of Tulane, and uh, we know where your allegiance lies, but we also know that you have a lot of love for Tulane, and, and you have a lot of respect for Willie Fritz and the job he's done, correct? Well, Willie, Willie's a good friend. I've known, I knew Willie before he came to Tulane. He is a very good football coach, and uh, I, I like what, what they do at Tulane. Uh, know their people. Uh, I was a big Will Hall fan and pulling for Will at at Southern Miss now, and uh, I've known Chip Long, the offensive coordinator. He, he, he's another Will Hall. Those two guys just like He's good. You, you saw what he could do in the plays he called against that Oklahoma team. So I went to practice uh, right before the Oklahoma game and uh, really enjoyed it. Got to watch him work. And um, I, I, I can't sit here and tell you that I thought they would play that well against Oklahoma and have a chance to win that game at the end, but but I thought they'd play hard and play well, and uh, and they did. Uh, so I like that. T- I like this Tulane team. It's a um, they play hard. Got to know their quarterback. At the, we had him at the Manning Passing Academy this summer. Really good player. Great leader. You saw how tough he is. So uh, you know, I think they're rolling into Oxford with some some confidence and uh, should play play well. But I got to tell you. I'm not sure, and I'm not saying this as a homer. I'm not sure this Ole Miss offense isn't as good or better than Oklahoma's offense. So they're they're running into a buzzsaw in Oxford. I can tell you that. Well, I agree with that. I'll let Ed jump in now because I want to talk about that too. But Ed, fire away, man. Well, I think that's kind of reflected in the line, Archie. The the current total on the game is seventy six and a half. Wow. That's crazy when you when you think about a line like that. And I'm looking all through the college football lines, and there's nothing even close to that today. So they're telling you that a lot of points are going to be scored in that game. Yeah, it's a good it's a good chance. I, I'm pretty sure Ole Miss is going to score points. And uh, Ole Miss last year was one of the worst defenses in the in the country. Uh, they, they gave up so many points and so much yardage. And and I guess. And I'm not taking a shot at anybody. They just didn't have SEC caliber people over on the defense, or very many of them. 
Uh, but they've improved that. The portal, the portal has really been uh, been good to Ole Miss. Some kids they picked up, and then a few of the young players who got a lot of experience last year have stepped up and playing playing better. So they're a better defensive team. Um, not a great one, but I mean, great defensive teams are there in college football now. I mean, it's it's an offensive game, so should be an entertaining game in uh, in Oxford. Um, I'm a little disappointed. I couldn't. We we stayed around. I had to travel this past week and uh, came back to watch the high school game last night, and uh, so uh, we're not there. But I got a lot of a lot of good friends, Tulane friends, that went up for the game, and Ole Miss people were excited. So it should be a should be a good evening in Oxford. Well, you know it's pretty interesting. You, Tulane played so well against Oklahoma, and it was not a fluke; it was legitimate. They they played really well. One bad quarter, or one bad spell, otherwise they win that game. And yet, I watch. Oklahoma, I watch Ole Miss, and I don't disagree with you. I think Ole Miss's offense is every bit as good as Oklahoma's. Ole Miss's defense is improved, and I'll take it a step further. Everybody's endorsing Rattler for the Heisman Trophy. When are we going to start hearing talk about the Ole Miss quarterback being in that hunt? You might. He keeps throwing up those 400-yard games, and um, he did it last year. threw up several 400-yard games. Um, if he continues to do that, you're going you're gonna to hear him right in the hunt for, for the Heisman because they're throwing up big numbers. He's got an excellent receiving core, excellent receiving core. Uh, and they, they use a tight end song. they back. They got two backs. One's a little stronger runner. The other one's fast. They use them well. Uh, Lane and, and uh, Jeff Webby are both really good offensive minds. They do a lot of different things. They give you a lot to work on. They, they really give you a lot of looks. A lot of different things, and Matt Corral is a—he—he uh, he really throws the ball well. He's not a big guy, and so you don't just don't think he can throw the ball like he can. And he's also got good feet. I, I told somebody the other day he reminds me of Joe Theismann. Theismann had great. Joe had great feet, and that's what Matt has. He—he he, he runs pretty good, but his feet are good in the pocket the way he moves around. Really good quarterback. He's bought into Lane's system the last couple of years. And uh, he's a fine player. They keep him healthy. It's hard to stop them. Now, he did, <laughs> like we all do, he did go colorblind in a couple of games last year. He had, uh, <laughs> he, he had six, uh, six, against, uh, six picks against Arkansas, and I believe he had five against LSU. Yeah, um, correct. That's and, right. Uh, but, hey, hey, it happens. And uh, I texted him after that Arkansas game. I said, all right, man. You didn't beat me. You just tied me. I said I threw six in Knoxville one day. So uh, you know, just put it, put it, put it behind you and move on. Threw six in Knoxville. I thought you beat them like thirty-eight to nothing. I must have the wrong game, that was right? The next year, the year before, uh-huh. the year before they beat us thirty-one to nothing, uh, and and I threw six in Knoxville. Uh-huh. And that's that's when uh, that's when Hacksaw Reynolds sawed his car in half in anger after that game, right? Is that's that right. Hacksaw car? Reynolds and Steve Kiner. That's that's the day Archie Who was born when uh, that that started up that night. long time ago. <laughs> but we remember nonetheless. Uh, and you know, listen, this is going to be an interesting game. I think uh, can Tulane win? Yeah, I think you always have a chance to win. I certainly think Ole Miss will win the game, being at home and as potent as they are. But and I think. In, in a kind of weird way, Archie, the fact that Tulane played so well against Oklahoma probably helps Ole Miss to get ready for this game, right? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because cause if they had to play so well, what Ole Miss is looking at is an open date next week and then yep. a trip to Tuscaloosa. 
So, Correct. so you know, they go out and win, and win a game today handily or say if Tulane hadn't played well, we looking ahead, you know, looking ahead to a yep. week off and a, and a showdown with Alabama, who they Ole Miss moved the ball really good against Alabama last year, better than anyone else. No doubt. Ed? Uh, Arch, I wanted to ask you about October 23rd. It's going to be a special day up there in Oxford when uh, Ole Miss hosts LSU. It's Eli Manning Day. Uh, talk about that day and how much fun that will be for the family to have that day. Well, we're, we're very uh, excited about that. Eli's honored to have his, have his, his number uh, retired. But Eli's having a, good, having a good year. He's having his number retired in, in Giants, Giants Stadium next, next Sunday. Uh, and then uh, later, as they said, at the LSU game, Ole Miss is retiring his number. So Eli enjoyed his, his journey through Ole Miss. And one thing he's excited about that day, sounds like he's got a lot of his teammates uh, coming back. And, of course, against LSU, he, had, uh, he went one and two against LSU, but they had three memorable games. That was in the, those Coach Saban's days, uh, early days at LSU. And they were, some, they were some great football games that day. So that'll be you know, will be. I wish I had a crystal ball and knew what Ole Miss and LSU's record will be at that point, but no way of knowing. But it, it'll be a good one, and uh, we're excited. Um, um, uh, we've we've had two numbers. I, I feel honored. My number's retired. At Ole Miss. We retired. We retired Chucky Mullins' number. Those. That's the only two. So he was glad to uh, jo- join the mix. I, I, I guess ask you real quick. Can I ask real yeah. quick sure. about the. The ESPN2 broadcast on <laughs> I was going to bring Monday that up. Night. <laughs> what, did, what did you think of that? How did how do you think Eli and Archie did? Well, on I had no idea. I, I, I read Eli a lot, Payton. though, and the reviews overall were good. Now, some people, you know, didn't like parts of it. Other, and I think uh, it was some kinks there that they both realized. I, I was with them uh, in Nashville a couple of days ago and said, you know, they kind of got a little, a little hyper to start with and settle down. Uh, they talk about that. I thought Peyton did a good job with the guests, and I thought the guests were good. That's going to be a big part of that show. So I think, you know, it's not for everybody. And, somebody, you know, if somebody says to me, I don't like that, well, guess what? Don't watch it. I mean, it's, on, it's, right. it's, been, on, it's been on 50 years on ESPN, so turn over and watch it. But if you want to watch it something a little different, they're going to have some fun with it, I can tell you that. So uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people do like it. Hey, you were at the high school game last night. Your, your namesake threw three touchdowns, ran for one. They had a really good first half, then kind of slowed down, but a nice start for, for not having played, right? Yeah, both those teams. You know, that, uh, Vanderbilt Catholic coming from Holman, you know, they got hit hard. And those kids, I know, were glad to be out there. I thought it was a nice gesture that Newman parents fed, fed the uh, Vanderbilt Catholic parents for the game. Both coaches are quality people, and uh, kids played hard. Newman looked great starting out, and then second half was 0-0 and got kind of sloppy, a lot of penalties, some drop passes and this and that. But, but you know, both of them, I think Newman's had four days of practice in, in three weeks, and I'm sure Vanderbilt Catholic, same way. And that's the case with most of these high schools around here. So you can expect mm-hmm. some, some penalties at a, at a tough start. But I know one thing, there was a lot of kids that were glad to be out there and glad to be playing and uh, had a great crowd. And uh, so... Good to see high school football get kicked off. Ed? Yeah, and Archie, really got a feel for those, those kids who are down there near the coast. And, oh. and what a lot of these kids don't have their homes. They're damaged. They still don't have power. They don't have power at Vanderbilt Catholic. When I was talking to Coach Minton the other day, 
I asked him to send me a roster. He said, I have to send it to you on my phone because when yeah. I get to the field house, I can't power up my computer. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's just such a shame. You know, we were supposed to play West St. John last night. Well, you know, no no shot at them being, being yeah. able to get ready to play a football game right now. It's just such a shame. I feel so bad for all the people that had such a tough time with this and and the, the schools and the coaches and so forth. So hopefully time will heal this and we'll get everybody back playing. Before I let you get away, one more thought. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to do a podcast with Archie on, on 50 years ago, okay, because it was 50 years ago, and you'll be able to re- listen to the podcast at Crescent City Sports. We'll do it on Monday. But 50 years ago, uh, the, the ballad of Archie who debuted with the New Orleans Saints. What a debut it was. 24-20 to 20 beat the Rams. Yes, I do think you got across the goal line before the ball came loose, just to get that out of the way. But uh, it's hard to believe that it's 50 years ago, right, Arch? It is. It's hard to believe. And, uh, great memories, though. That was a good Rams team uh, that rolled into Tulane Stadium that day. Some of the greats, Merlin Olsen, Deacon Jones, Roman Gabriel, and uh, uh, – I think the heat helped us. You know, it was one mm-hmm. of those. It was one of those really hot days on a, on a new artificial turf in Old Tulane Stadium, and uh, they kind of wilted. I remember they were running it. Tommy Prothrow was the coach, and yep. he was running his defensive lineman in and out for rest. And right. I remember Merlin Olson hollering over there to him and said, just leave me in. It's too hard to run off the field. <laughs> <laughs> and I do remember a couple of the Rams players – uh, got overheated, and they they had to stay in New Orleans after that game. They didn't go back on the plane, so it, it, that the heat helped us. But it was a it was a good upset and a, and a, and a, a fun, fun day. Hard, but hard to believe yeah. it's fifty years. Oh, well, it's, it's had, amazing. At the, at the at the time, they had those guys who would come around with the cups, with the with the beer packs on the back. Yeah, of the, they had it on the back. Yeah, yeah they had right. They had, it, it, it was so hot. It was so hot, Archie. I was fourteen at the time. They served me a beer. They didn't even ask me for an I ID. They I, just, hey, I would have had one on the home bench if it had come <laughs> down our way. <laughs> it, was, it was Dixie, Falstaff, and Jacks. They rotated. There you go. <laughs> Me- memory's good, buddy. Uh, really good because that's true. And boy, those were the days. I mean, outdoors at Tulane Stadium, man. Uh, you know, great you get these stay- It was state. a great, great facility. And, you know, it could be brutally hot, it could rain, or it could be cold, too. So yeah. I remember a mon- Monday night game I covered there. Oh, my goodness, it was just absolutely frozen, I think, the, the Steelers, as I recall. And I was there, and it was crazy. But uh, just being there as a fan, not covered, but because I went to every game at the start of the franchise's history before getting into this business. But, yep, 50 years ago, but who's counting, right? So That's we'll right. do a, a nice little story on that with Archie coming up Monday at Crescent City Sports. Dot com. Last but not least, Arch, I guess uh, more than anything else, it's been trying over the last 16, 18 months just to see football being played at every level, in particular at the high school level, is heartwarming, and it's really good for the kids. I mean, I know there's some people that say, you know what, why are they playing football, you know, when they had a hurricane, when they've had a pandemic and everything else? But the answer is that, you know, it's for the kids. It always has been for the kids. It always will be. And for the kids to have the opportunity to do it, I just think far outweighs everything else. Well, you're right. And, you know, I've, I've said it before, but uh, there's no two people in, in our part of the country have done more for high school football than you two guys. So you know what a great institution it is. And, you know, I've been a little bit, Livy and I have kind of been away from it a little bit when our boys played. It was a great experience, and then they're off playing. 
and Cooper and, and you know, so you kind of get away from it. And now being back, um, you know, I had two grandsons uh, playing out there last night. My, uh, uh, we don't yep, hear much Hyde, about yep. Hyde, but Hyde started at center. He's a sophomore last night. Mm-hmm. So the Mannings finally have an offensive lineman in the family. <laughs> and uh, so it was um, – but it is – it's just – so you know it's so pure it's so pure and good i mean we love the saints and pro football and i love college football but high school football is so pure and good and and for these kids that choose to play it's not for everybody but the ones that yeah. choose to play it it's a great game and there's so much value there so much so many great lessons to learn and my hat's off to high school coaches and the great job they do to turn our boys and our society into men and uh, so it's uh, uh, so glad to see them out there last night. And I hope we can get through the rest, get this season going and everybody enjoy it and, and, uh, and do well. Great to have that third tailgater back with us after all this time. So, so we'll uh, we'll call you every week at this time. No, just kidding. But it's all good. <laughs> all, all, all good. You got a few things on your plate to deal with, but it's always a distinct pleasure to visit with our friend, uh, really good man, Archie Manning. Archie, listen, thanks and God bless you and your family. And I'll be in touch with you on Monday, man. Okay, guys, have a good one. Thank y'all. Okay, you, buddy. You got it, Arch. All, right. all right, thank you, buddy, Archie Manning. 504-260-1061 to join us. Brief time out. Next up, the Godfather, Bryce Brown of Carr, joins us to talk about their big win as the Three Tailgaters show continues on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and on the web at nashfm1061.com. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. Through its annual support of college football and amateur sports, the Sugar Bowl attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors to the state, providing countless opportunities for young people. Resources from these events enable the Sugar Bowl to support education and community programs impacting thousands of New Orleans area teachers and citizens. The All-State Sugar Bowl, proud to host the best of the Big 12 and the SEC in the Superdome on New Year's Day 2022. Welcome to Parent-Teacher Night. Oh, yes, Miss Garner. If you have one of those airline credit cards, you're probably not earning double miles on every purchase. You're right. My card only gets extra miles on some types of purchases. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles everywhere. Wait, but where can we use them? You can use Capital One Venture Miles on any travel purchase. Venture gets an A+. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. You will solve the great mystery. Streaming only on Peacock. This is Robert Langdon. The suspect called him. I teach symbology. He wants me to locate an ancient portal buried within the Capitol. From the author of The Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. It's your dad. The people who took him want me to find a piece of a very old puzzle. And executive producers Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. We have to finish this or my dad is dead. Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol. Streaming now with new episodes every Thursday, only on Peacock. New Orleans, your resilience is inspiring. As our community continues to recover, Diamonds Direct is proud to help. We know the road to recovery will be longer for some, and that's why we're raising funds for local organizations like Cajun Navy and our Employee Relief Fund. Learn more at DiamondsDirect.com slash New Orleans. Our showroom is open, and we're here for you, whether you're ready to pick up a repair, past purchase, or just want to come by and say hi. We're truly stronger together, New Orleans, and we're proud to stand by you during these challenging times. 
Top service. Locally owned. Outstanding deals. Conveniently located. Professionals motivated to sell where the customer comes first. That describes the experience at Premier Automotive Group, where you'll find the best prices anywhere on Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Kia. Premier Automotive offers a warranty for life on its vehicles and a money-back guarantee. Visit my friend Troy Duhon at one of his outstanding dealerships, Toyota of New Orleans, Premier Chrysler, Jeep, Dobbs, Ram, Fiat, Premier Honda in New Orleans, Premier Nissan in Metairie, and Premier Kia in Kenner. You want the total sports package? Let's talk prep, college, pro, all sports, all the time. You get it all from the three tailgaters on 106.1 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com with Ken and Ed. Give us a call at 504-260-1061. Well, a big game last night locally was played here at Ted Gormley Stadium, where I'm at right now, as the Car Cougars whipped the John Curtis Patriots by the score of 33-19. to Joining us now, uh, the architect of that brilliant program on the West Bank uh, at Carr High School, the godfather, Bryce Brown. Hey, Bryce, listen, appreciate you getting up early with us. Congratulations once again, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Mr. T. I don't know if it's early. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've been up. Uh, we've, wa- we've, been, we've been washing some uniforms and, and uh, getting ready for next week. So I uh, appreciate you having me on. Well, listen, first and foremost, just, again, being out there and playing, that, that, that's the main thing, right? You finally get a chance to get out there and play. Yeah, and I think that was the, the biggest part about last night game. I don't think there was any uh, winners or losers in that game last night. You know, that was the first game. You know, we didn't play a jamboree. Uh, that was our first team time with live special teams, uh, live tackling, Um and, you know, I talked to Coach uh, coach before the game, Coach JT, and he talked about the same thing before the game. You know, this was all about the kids and being able to compete. And we owe, we owed it to the to the seniors on both teams to, to, number one, get back on the playing field, and, number two, give them a sense of normalcy where they can, they can enjoy their high school lives and know that something is not going to be taken away from them because of those circumstances that – we could fight through circumstances and and still be able to do our jobs and and have fun doing it by playing football. And coach, it's pretty interesting how many games have been lost due to the pandemic and due to the hurricane for those kids. If you're a senior right now, you've lost about five five or six games in your career that you'll never get back, right? Yeah, and that's and that's the sad part about it. You know. Um, I think that's the the key part to it is, number one, if a team is available to play another team because uh, another situation has occurred in a, in a particular community, you know, just play them just because what, regardless of what la- classification or what level we are on, right? Um, yep. Because you owe that to the kids because you don't want kids going into the season playing three games or, or one game. Right, you want you want those kids to be able to line up and play. This is just a game, you know. We're just having fun out there. This is not the NFL. This is not college football. This is high school football, where we're dealing with student athletes first. That's just trying to go out there and have some fun and have an opportunity to possibly get to college. And 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 we owe ourselves, you know, speaking to all the high school coaches out there, you know, if you are available to play a team. You know, just plan. If you're available, you plan because we owe it to the kids. 
No doubt. And listen, kids got on the field last night, and I thought, you know, watching the game in studio during our statewide show, I thought the level of play was pretty good considering the fact that you had two teams that hadn't played, hadn't practiced much, as you said, no jamboree yeah. for you, no live tackling. I, I thought the quality of play overall was pretty good. Yeah, you know, that speaks to the level of coaching, too, Mr. T. You know, both staffs were really into the game. You know, me watching it from afar, uh, Coach JT's guys coaching it up, my guys coaching it up, kids are executing. Um, everybody was just excited to be there. And I think uh, even for the fans, you know, that was a great crowd last night for a 6 o'clock game. You know, everybody was excited to be out there. And I think uh, – the play was uh, spectacular, but I think if, if those two teams played again in Week Ten, you know that game would be even even better, and um, that tells you how much depth number one both teams have, and uh, how consistent they are at, at executing the, the two systems. Ed, coach, uh, a lot of people around here know about Aaron Anderson. Now the whole country knows about him. I think your phone's going to be ringing a lot. Uh, this weekend, what do you think? Uh, hopefully, I'm available to take all the calls. Um, <laughs> you know, we got a tough Scotlandville team coming up next week, so you know we have to get back into the room and we have to look at the film. We got to correct some mistakes. Uh, you know, I was really excited for AJ to get back out there. You know, he had a little a little off season injury. He's just you know this is his first time throwing in about you know a month and a half, and you know him being excited to be out there. You know, I was real excited for him and, you know, for Kamani to go out there and, and execute and, and taking his place and really splitting reps. You know, I think um, it puts on notice how much talent, you know, we do have in this state and, and the level of coaching is at a high level, especially when two teams and two programs face off like that. And then, of course, to Ed's thought about Anderson, I mean, the basic premise, I guess, would be when you game plan against somebody, when you're facing an exceptional athlete, the game plan is always going to be let's double somebody, let's try to take him out of the game and certainly limit his touches of the football. Well, I think Coach Curtis probably learned a, a severe lesson last night. Don't kick it to him. That's probably not a really good idea in that situation. <laughs> and fortunately for, for the Cougars, they kicked it to him and, and they're probably kicking themselves now because of it, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, the first punt, they actually kicked it away from him. Uh, Aaron got a good short hop on it and got under it. But the wall, the punt return wall was, was executed very well. You know, we kind of changed our schedule last week because we didn't do so much special teams and didn't play a damn to see it live. You know, we, we implemented um, two, two special teams practices. Uh, last week and hats off to Coach Norman Randall, who does the special teams. You know, we knew that was going to be a key, you know, with with offensive not having continuity or chemistry. We knew special teams was going to be key in the game. No doubt. And, and each one was a little bit of a different return. You mentioned the one on the hop. Uh, you mentioned you know, the others, of course. One was a free kick, which is a punt. And then the third one was, a, was just a standard, you know, he caught it. And he made a couple of great moves, and, and see you later. He gets in the clear. They're not going to catch him. Just just three different plays, and but the same result, right? It had to be fun to watch. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I talked to Coach uh, Orderon this morning, right before I was uh, before you guys called. You know, he's definitely the best athlete in the country, 
and I hope I hope people across the country saw that last night. That number one, uh, yes, he is talented at at returning, but he's also a phenomenal athlete in space when it comes down to executing the offense. I think he had 300 yards of total offense last night. You know, that's almost unheard of, uh, especially when, when you're running a spread team. And we had a lot of guys touch the ball last night. So it just tells you how electric he is. But I do believe not only is he one of the best players to ever play at Car High School, but he's definitely the best athlete in America. Ben? Coach, if you go back to the last two games he has had, the state championship game and this game, it's crazy the numbers that he has produced. Agree? Yeah, and, you know, that tell you how good he is to be able to be a, a four-year starter at a school like Carr. Um, you know, I mess with him all the time. I said, man, you got to be tired of being here. And he said, uh, no, I'm not tired yet. You know, I still... You know, I still have something to prove. This is still my senior year. But to see his production and his growth, not only as a, as a player, but as a person, you know, it, it makes you appreciate what these kids go through um, on a daily basis to see his maturation process as a player first, uh, second, as a player second, but as a person first. Well, that's so important, and I know that's really important to you in your program. It's been documented many times. Uh, you have an interesting mixture of players. You have some with two-parent families, some from good homes, some from difficult circumstances, some with no parents. The streets and trying to keep them away from any issues that could arise, it's more of a challenge. And, and again, it's not a cop-out at all. It's the truth about what you deal with, and it takes – special people to be able to handle those circumstances and that's pretty much what you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis right yeah yeah and 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 guess what mr t and mr Daniels, you know and i'm not complaining about it you know that's a part of my job um is to deal with those diverse situations and to to try to better help these players and 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 try to be there for them you know that's a part of our job as coaches you know, people sometimes see us as just, you know, we worry about football all the time. But I could tell you what, and, and Coach JT could attest to this, you very, you very little as a head coach deal with football on a daily basis on a high school level. You know, you deal with these different circumstances on a daily basis because sometimes people need help, sometimes they need just somebody to talk to. But for these kids to, be, to go through what they go through, in the situations they have at home, uh, the situation with a hurricane, the situation with a pandemic, and still be able to be one of the top programs in this state, which is which is incredible because we have so much talent in this state, is is nothing short of, a, of of amazing. But you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta put a lot of this on God because you know He has His plan, and you know we just we just we just pawns on His chessboard. And we're just here and doing it for him. And I think uh, all about God's grace is all of this is happening. Ed? Coach, um, moving forward, does, does last year motivate you at all? Or was last year last year? Uh, last year was last year. You know, we rarely talk about, um, I don't think we talk about it at all, was uh, losing to Karen Crow. We lost to a good football team, you know, they – 
they beat us. And, um, you know, sometimes you need a taste of your own medicine sometimes. <laughs> and uh, and they did that. Um, and they wanted it more than us. And we, we, we talked about it uh, after the game and um, coming into the off season, And we accepted it. And now it's up to us to correct it. And I think uh, that's the, big, the biggest thing about our program. You got to identify it. You got to accept it. And then you got to correct it. And uh, and that's what we're doing. You know, we're we're not about revenge. We're not trying to seek revenge. We're trying to reclaim. Well, that's a great line. Not about revenge. Just trying to reclaim. That's really good. So, talk about what's next. I guess Scotlandville next week, right, Coach? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna face Scotlandville. You know, they got a, a good running back, a good quarterback. You know, uh, Coach Vester does a great job. Um, we'll see what happens with Berman. Um, I know we would have some damage at Barnum Stadium with the scoreboard. So, you know, we will definitely keep you guys abreast to, uh, you know, where we're going to play that game at. And I think that's what we're about to work on here in a second. But, um, again, another good team. You know, they, they was up 20 points on Warren Easton. And, um, and Warren Easton stormed back and, uh, and beat them pretty good. So, you know, we, we know they'll have it on their mind to correct their mistakes from, uh, from last night as well, so we have to be ready. You know, they're going they're gonna to throw the ball, they're going to run it. So we have to, uh, we got to get out of the, the the mindset of stopping triple option and gearing back to stopping spread now. And uh, you know, that's what that's why we have to erase this game against Curtis. That was just another game, and we just got to focus on the next the next week. Final thought, Ed. Well, Coach, congratulations. Uh, it was uh, it was great to see you last night, and. Um... You know, I know you got Jalen and Lucas now. I, that's the one thing you needed, Coach. You need more good players. You don't have enough. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, um, that kid. You know, I sat down with him um, when he was uh, trying to come register for school, and um, talked to him and his family about you know the the situation that they were in, and you know there was. Um, displaced and you know they have don't have any power down there and they got a hole in the roof they got mold in the house and and they and they were their focus wasn't about playing ball their focus was you know because he's going to be an early graduate and go to Tulane so his, their main focus was his academics and staying on track so he can graduate early to go to college and I, I found that very interesting that you know coming to 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 an athlete like that his sole purpose was you know, to get back in school. You know, he had been out of school for four weeks, and, you know, he was just excited to go to class and learn, and you got to appreciate a kid like that. Well, that's a very bold statement, too, putting academics first, and he's moving into a, I don't know, a pretty decent program at Endicar, just saying. I guess not so bad, and the country got a chance to see that last night, which is great because that's what Carr has been. It's been remarkable to watch. We had Joe Riley and Martin Luther King on earlier. They win their first game ever. Starting up a program is fun. I remember when Carr transitioned to the high school level. Don Watney started the program, got it to, to a high level very quickly. It's been there ever since, and Bryce Brown has taken it to another level, Ed. Yeah, no question. And you know what? Uh, I, we're going back and we're looking through old video over the years, and I think that 1993 team might might spring up here pretty soon. You got that right. <laughs>
You, you got that right. You got to go find some video of Brown knocking people off the football back in the early 2000s. Okay, you know, I, think, to do. I think I think we do have a couple of personal foul calls that I maybe I should show, show his players. Hey guys, this is this is what it means to hit on the echo of the whistle. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I think he played pretty well. Grambling was happy to have him, too. We're happy to have him with us, and Carr's very blessed to have him as part of its community. Bryce Brown, listen, thank you. Uh, once again, congratulations, my friend. Keep up the great work, and, and you know, we're going to visit again soon. I appreciate y'all for having me. Y'all have a great weekend. All right, let us know about the, uh, the game and where it's going to be, too, when you know. Will do. Okay, Bryce, thank you. That's Bryce Brown of Carr High School. All right, second hour begins next. After this brief timeout, we'll talk Saints and LSU. We've talked Tulane already. 260-1061 to join us. Back in a moment, 3 Tailgaters Show, 1061 FM Nash Icon, and NashFM1061.com. I got to tell you, the Ford F-150 and I, well, we're kind of like family. Ford's the number one selling truck in America for 42 years, and Lamarck's the number one Ford dealer. So come get your number one truck from your number one dealer, Lamarck Ford, where everybody gets Lamarckable deals and service. And wait till you see what we've done and still doing to the big store in Kenner. We're using local money, not Wall Street money. Visit Lamarck.com for more details. Drive safely, my friends. Number one claim based on 2018 new Ford vehicle retail sales report Memphis Region Zone E. Top service, locally owned, outstanding deals, conveniently located, professionals motivated to sell where the customer comes first. That describes the experience at Premier Automotive Group, where you'll find the best prices anywhere on Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Kia. Premier Automotive offers a warranty for life on its vehicles and a money-back guarantee. Visit my friend Troy Duhon at one of his outstanding dealerships, Toyota of New Orleans, Premier Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Premier Honda in New Orleans, Premier Nissan in Metairie, and Premier Kia in Kenner. Now more than ever, driving political change has enough challenges. Reaching the right voters to get elected shouldn't be one of them. Hi, I'm Rachel Adams, Regional Digital Sales Manager, and our team is here to help you reach the exact voters you need in your district or even the whole state. Contact me today at nolacumuluscares.com and let us help you get elected and make real political change for Louisiana. That's nolacumuluscares.com or call me directly at 504-432-0043. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. Through its annual support of college football and amateur sports, the Sugar Bowl attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors to the state, providing countless opportunities for young people. Resources from these events enable the Sugar Bowl to support education and community programs impacting thousands of New Orleans area teachers and citizens. The All-State Sugar Bowl, proud to host the best of the Big 12 and the SEC in the Superdome on New Year's Day 2022. Anytime, anywhere. Smartphone, tune in radio app. We are 1061 Nash Icon, WRKN, Picayune, New Orleans. The second hour begins. It's the Three Tailgater Show on 1061 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and at CrescentCitySports.com. Be a part of the show now. Call 504 260 1061. Back to Ken Trahan and Ed Daniels. As we march on in the second hour, glad you're with us. Thanks to Bryce Brown, Joe Riley, Archie Manning for spending time with us. We'll still talk about high school or Tulane if you'd like. 260-1061 to join us. Turn our attention to LSU this segment. Before we get to the Saints, Tigers, and Central Michigan, they travel the same day to play. They'll get out. Central Michigan, as I've said all week, is not McNeese. Much tougher opponent. Play Missouri a 10-point game at Missouri. Shut out an opponent last week. Chippewas will show up and play hard. LSU better show up and play well. 
Ed, the takeaway, some people think that the win over McNeese was every bit as discouraging as the loss to UCLA. I don't know that I'd go that far. The LSU defense, regardless of the opponent, was much better against McNeese. The offense, a different story. Their kicking game's really good. Your takeaway from LSU and where it's at right now. Well, you know, Kenny, I, I, don't, um, I, I don't come away very impressed by what I saw last week because they had a hard time moving um, a, a team that, frankly, they had such a size advantage on. And, you know, the one thing that, that I, I watch – believe it or not, is when a team comes out for warm-ups, the first thing I do is I just look at the visiting team. And I look at McNeese, and they look like a, a really good FCS team, and that's who they are. Uh, you know, the thing that, um, that – but LSU, from a size standpoint, Kenny, from a size standpoint, they have so much, uh, so much more than the other team, and they were able to get 304 yards of total offense. Um, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Number one, I know they have injuries on the offensive line. But you tell me if you agree with me. This is the Southeastern Conference, and this is the high level of the Southeastern Conference. You should have backups who can play. Is that fair? No question about it. You stole my thunder. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, you know, and I'm watching, I'm watching these guys and – by the way, I got. I, if anyone wants to know, they can text me. I got. I got the best pair of binoculars, field glasses for football that I've ever ordered in my life, and they cost me about 150 bucks, and they are incredible. Well, anyhow, I got to watch the game up close, and I'm I'm in the press box, and and I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, you know what? Look, I understand that Deculus and Chase and Hines aren't playing, and Cam Wire's not going to play tonight, but you know what? You should be able to develop, you know, 10, 12 guys at Louisiana State University who can play the offensive line. And in the meantime, I'm in the press box and I'm watching the Alabama game. And Alabama has, three, uh, has two or three, four or five-star guys who can't even get on the field who are offensive linemen. So... To me, that's an area that you got to develop. And also, too, look, I don't know what happened with James Craig, all right? I think I, I have an idea what happened, and I think you do, too. But the one thing about James Craig is his offensive lines were very well coached, all right? And I think, to me, who your offensive line coach is is one of the most critical positions you can have on a football team, and especially on the major college level in the Southeastern Conference, when a lot of the guys on defense are going to be high picks in the draft, you better have some cohesiveness as to how you can block those guys, because if not, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, I mean, their offensive line when healthy wasn't good, and the exactly. backups, were, but, well, backups but, were even worse. Yeah, Right. You know, Kenny, and I'm, I'm just looking at – I went back and I looked at some of the video from 2019, all right? Yeah. And there's so many times during that year that LSU ran empty formations and there were guys coming either clean at Joe Burrow or they had to slide the protection or make adjustments. But those five guys there, Damian Lewis, uh, Cushenberry, uh, Austin Deculus, 
the, the, the left tackle, the, the left guard, all of those guys were able to function as a unit and not only be very good technically, but also be physical. And I don't see that from these guys. So I'm asking myself, and, and then, you know, I come back from the game last Saturday night. I get home about 1230, and I'm watching a replay. It might have been on ESPN or the SEC Network. And they interviewed Sam Goodwin, who's the Arkansas coach, and he said, look, we're going to run the football. We're coming right at you. And I was like, wow, how refreshing, you know. And to me, when LSU's good, I don't care how good they are throwing the football. When LSU's a great team, they have two characteristics. Number one, they're great on defense with elite athletes. And number two, they can block you up front on offense and run the football. And I look at the 03 team, the 7 team, the 11 team, and the 19 team. All four national championship teams, okay? Those four teams had those two characteristics in spades. No question about it. And I think that when you look at the offensive line, that's the biggest negative. The defense played better, lesser competition. We'll see how that goes. The number of injuries a bit alarming. Uh, The academic situation alarming. And... Otherwise, on offense, we know what Bouti is. He's elite. I think Jack Besh can be really good. I think they've got to use him more. That's my opinion. I think they probably will. I think the running back situation is such that no disrespect to Tyrion Davis-Price, but the young kids have to play. Give them a chance and see what they can do. And Price can still be part of that, but I think the young kids need to play. As for the quarterback, which is always going to get attention, I think Max Johnson's been okay. I think he's been acceptable to find at times. Uh, not maybe as good as I hoped he would be just yet, even though the numbers have looked good because you said it. A lot of that is about reads, and let's talk about that too. LSU still goes with its read situation at the line of scrimmage. I don't want to say the teams have totally solved them, but I think teams have adjusted to it. As we see, the whole concept of reading is to get a look and then make the proper line call uh, to make the, the right play work against that setup. But what's happening is the Peyton Manning effect. Defenses, after LSU has made the adjustment, are then adjusting and switching what they're doing and having great success. And Max Johnson is not Joe Burrow. He doesn't have that knowledge, that vision, uh, that ability to see the field and make quick adjustments Uh, Sight adjustments and physical adjustments on the move to make plays. The result is he gets pressured extremely. He backpedals a lot rather than going left or right or trying to step up and gets himself into a bit of trouble. And this is not on him uh, by and large. It's about experience. I think he'll learn. It's about an offensive line that's not good enough. But it's also about teams that have adjusted to what LSU does. I'm starting to wonder if LSU should just try to go quick, like Ole Miss, for instance, or others and get to the line of scrimmage, run the play that's called, and catch the defense before it can make adjustments. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, Ed Ogeron addressed that this week, and yep. I think they're going to play quicker, okay? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about Max Johnson. I think Max Johnson plays better when he just can play, all right? Um, he doesn't have the experience. I'm not saying he's not cerebral. I don't know that much about the young man. I was extremely impressed by what he was able to do at the end of last year, but I think – the one thing you can do when you play quick is you start dictating to the defense. And yes. that's what they need to do. Plus, look, it's the first time that I saw these guys, because we don't get to go to fall practice 
All right. If you're in fall practice, you're in for a cup of coffee, five minutes. This is the first time I saw these guys run. All right. You got to play Kiner and Goodwin because of their ability to stretch the field. All right. And here's what, uh, one other thing I would do. And I agree with you about Jack Besh. The one thing I would do is all these guys who are dropping balls, I'd put them on a bench. All right. Until they start catching them. I would well, like Jeray Jenkins. I well, Jeray you know Jenkins what? is a consistent yeah. dropper of right. the football. I would say, you know what, my friend? Look, you caught 10,000 balls in the offseason. Okay? Nothing personal about this, but you got to play better. And until you figure that out, you're not going to play. That'll motivate some people, all right? And, mm-hmm. you know, look, Jenkins has some ability. He's a big, tall target, and he can run. But he's got to catch the football. I mean, Garrick Nussmeyer was 3 for 10 in the game, Kenny. But I counted at least three drops, yep. including one where he, ma- he rolled to the right and threw a ball on the run and threw a rope, all right, down yeah. to the goal line. And the ball was perfectly thrown. The defender had no chance on the ball. You couldn't have walked down there and placed it in the receiver's hands any better. And the kid threw a rope from about 40 yards right in the guy's hands. And guess yep. what? He didn't catch it, all right? So, to me, I think they've got to play faster. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just – I go back to the 2007 national championship team, all right? Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. team lined up, even after Beanie Wells broke that long touchdown run against LSU, that team lined up that night against Ohio State, and they said, yeah. you know what, we're going to kick your tail, all right? And that's what they did. They handed the ball to Hester, and the one thing i got to say, to be fair to the quarterback, is – you know, and Archie mentioned it earlier, Kenny. If you have a good running game, all right, you're going to make that defense simplify. If you have a really good running game, they've got to bring extra people to the box, and then all of a sudden you see more man coverage on the outside and you have a chance to make some big plays. So I said all week long that Central Michigan is not McNeese. Much better team, much tougher, and – this is a little bit of a danger zone for LSU. If the Tigers don't well, play better you know than they play, you know, they, could be, they could be in a real game well, here, Ed. Well, Kenny, you know what? If Central Michigan is the danger zone, then I hate to see what Mississippi State and, and, and Auburn in two weeks are going to be. All right? I, I, hate to, I hate to see what the danger zone is. Look, I hope they solve it. I hope they figure it out. But, again, I know they're making a transition. They have a new offensive line coach. All right, you have you have a new defensive coordinator. You you have a new offensive coordinator, but you know what? Your team is experienced enough where you should be able to overcome those things. And, yeah. And one other thing that I look at too. All right. And I wrote this for CrescentCitySports.com. Kenny, look, look at um, LSU's recruiting class in 2019. I'm sorry, I wrote it for the Clarion Herald. My apologies. Uh, that's okay. LSU's recruiting class in 2019, Kenny. Mm-hmm. And what that class was supposed to be. Where is Cardell Thomas? All right? He was you a five-star me. guy. Where is right. he? Right. I mean, that's a guy right now in his third year that you should be talking about him as being a high draft choice in the National Football League. We yep. haven't even seen him. All right? And I, and I look at some of these guys, and I'm like, what in the world happened to this recruiting class? Because yeah. this recruiting class was five in the country and was supposed to be outstanding. And you know what? 
it's 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 really turned out to be you know that's the thing about recruiting again you know you never know how these things are going to turn out some guys get to college they acclimate they do well other guys maybe aren't as mature some guys mature physically earlier you just don't know and i think a lot of it too is player development and on the college level you cannot underestimate the importance of coaches who can develop players. Well, I think it's all three aspects, as I've said over and over again. It's recruiting. It is development of players, obviously, and it's coaching. I mean, it's, it's coaching, it's players, it's getting the right players, and then, and then being in the right system and executing. And I think when it all comes together, you see what happened in 2019. But let's face it, this is not that coaching staff anymore, and these are not those players. And I'm not saying they're devoid of talent. I think there's talent. But I don't think the talent is what it was made out to be. I don't think that's unfair to say. And I don't think that the staff has done a great job of developing players. Name one offensive lineman that looks the part or has developed. Defensive linemen who are said to be good players that have been, frankly, nothing more than average, with the exception of Ali Gay, and he didn't even play last week. At the linebacker level, you tell me. Safety level, definitely a big question mark. And the running backs for the SEC, very ordinary. And I think that's being fair, if not being generous. Wide receiver, a whole bunch of guys. But right. how, who's going to step up? As I said before, Booty is exceptional. Can one or two of the others be that way? I think they have a chance. I mean, Palmer has a chance to be like that. We haven't even seen... Kirkland this year. There are young guys that can play. There's Besh, but, and again, the tight end position without Gilbert is just not there at this point. So, again, I ask the question, uh, there is talent on hand, but is that talent uh, not what we expect it to be, and is it a bit overrated? I think the answers are yes and yes. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I go back and I'm, you know, like I said, the one, the one thing you can't always catch on television is, is that you know, when you, when you get to the game and you watch it in totality, it, it gives you a whole picture. And, again, the, the thing that I noticed in warm-ups last week, and you knew this was going to be the case, okay, is the size difference. Yet they had 304 total yards. Now, an LSU team that was a, that was a, a, a really outstanding LSU team would have had 600 total yards or 700 total yards in this team because what they would have done was lined up and ran the football, all right? They would have smashed them. And then they would, the quarterback would have pulled the ball out of the running back's belly and thrown to a wide-open receiver downfield for a big play. Right. And really, that didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. Look, I mean, there's, there's so many things to point to. We're not sounding the death knell at this point. Some people are. We're not doing that. It's two games. I get it. Uh, but what I'm saying, and I know Ed agrees with, is that there has to be marked improvement, obvious improvement, dramatic improvement, or it's going to be hard seeing LSU have a winning season. Mm. And it's well, going to be hard trying to envision who they're going to beat mm -hmm. in the SEC West, much less the entire SEC, mm -hmm. because Arkansas drilled Texas last week. Mississippi State looked good last week against NC mm -hmm. State. Auburn is good. Mm -hmm. Ole Miss well, is real good. Mm -hmm. Alabama's Alabama. I mean, again, you get the picture. Other programs, 
not only look good, A&M lost its quarterback, but they're still a top 15 type team, top 10 type team. So other programs are either still very good or they've gotten better. And that's Mm -hmm. certainly not the case with LSU. Well, you know, look, uh, I think by 1230, when we get off the radio next Saturday, LSU will be in the second quarter against Mississippi State, and we'll know a lot Mm -hmm. by then. No question. I think we'll know a lot by noon next Saturday. Same, you know, it's 11, what is it, 1123 right now, whatever. We'll, we'll, know, we'll know a lot more about one week and one hour from now. When, they get, when, they, when you get to halftime against Mississippi State and they're trailing and they're struggling, then, uh, you know, you, you, you just can't arrive at, at, a, at a conclusion that maybe they, they just aren't nearly as good as you thought they might be. Couldn't agree more. And again, tonight will be not a revelation, but I think it will be more revealing about just who LSU is and what LSU can be. You want to see some things improve. You got to get guys on the field that need to be on the field and being productive. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult, uh, to say the least. All right, if you'd like to join in the conversation, it's 504-260-1061. That's 260-1061. 1061. If you'd like to talk about LSU, feel free to call. If you want to talk about Tulane, as we've spoken of, glad to hear from you. High school football, too. When we return following this brief timeout, the New Orleans Saints adversity plus yet again as they take on the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte. We'll talk about it. What can be done? Can they overcome? And more when we continue in just a moment. It's the Three Tailgaters Show, a Saturday morning tradition. Ken and Ed right here on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon. We're on the web at nashfm1061.com. Life Resources Ministries exists for showing men the way, building men to spiritual maturity, and preparing God's people for service. Life Resources Ministries has Bible studies in person and via Skype throughout the metro area, along with outreaches weekly on Wednesdays at Piccadilly Cafeteria on Clearview Parkway in Metairie. There are business forums and fellowship meetings as well. Life Resources also puts on major outreach prep breakfast with national speakers up to four to five times per year. Visit us online at liferesources.net. Life Resources Ministries, leaders investing for eternity. New Orleans, your resilience is inspiring. As our community continues to recover, Diamonds Direct is proud to help. We know the road to recovery will be longer for some, and that's why we're raising funds for local organizations like Cajun Navy and our Employee Relief Fund. Learn more at diamondsdirect.com slash New Orleans. Our showroom is open, and we're here for you, whether you're ready to pick up a repair, past purchase, or just want to come by and say hi. We're truly stronger together, New Orleans, and we're proud to stand by you during these challenging times. If you need to get the word out about your business and the goods and services you have to provide for our community, simply give us a call at 504-581-7002 or log on to nolacumuluscares.com and we will get the word out to the New Orleans area for you. It's very simple. Give us a call at 504-581-7002 and we will get the word out to the New Orleans area for you. Your messages will be heard on air and helping to rebuild our community. Hi, this is John from the Silver Slipper Casino, and I'm here to tell you about our new exciting all-American summer adventure going on here at the Slipper. Now, when you come here to play any of your favorite slots or table games on Friday or Saturday during the months of July, August, or September, you'll be earning entries to win an awesome StarCraft travel trailer on the last Saturday of each month. Now you can take your own camper anywhere you want and create your own adventure this summer. We're on the beach here in Hancock County, Silver Slipper Casino. We are proud to be your host on the coast. Have a good time. 
I'm at the Silver Slipper. Your weekly forum for genuine substantive talk with a focus on facts and fact-based opinions. Time to share your passion on the Three Tailgaters Show here on 106.1 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. Call 504-260-1061. Well, the New Orleans Saints coming off of an incredibly impressive win over Green Bay. Travel to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers in an NFC South contest tomorrow. And, of course, the Saints will do so off of a, an amazing performance. For lack of a better term, that is clearly the best term to use in the demolition of Green Bay 38-3 last week. Touch on that first before we touch on the task at hand. Ed, as I wrote at CrescentCitySports.com, maybe the two most impressive performances in New Orleans Saints history have come in the last two years. Last year at Tampa, 38-3 over the Bucks in the regular season. And, of course, we all know what the Buccaneers went on to do this year, 38-3 over Green Bay. Well, the Buccaneers were Super Bowl champion, the Packers NFC Championship game team last year, and a prior Super Bowl champion with a Hall of Fame quarterback. So those two very significant and pointed out to me the 42 to nothing win over the Broncos in the Dome under Jim Mora in 88 when the Broncos were going to Super Bowls, being another unbelievably complete performance. And absolutely, I agree with that. Uh, given the circumstances, I think these two games we've seen the last two years have matched up, if not exceeded, that is the most impressive Saints wins. This was pretty special, wasn't it, last Sunday? Mm -hmm. And you know what was pretty interesting about it is if you go back and look at those two wins that you talked about, Saints quarterbacks in those two games threw a total of 10 incompletions. Make it, make it 12. Drew Brees was 26 of 32 against the Bucks last year in that November game, and Winston was 14 out of 20. So what they're telling you is, is that, um, you know, they were able to do it without, um, you know, without, the, uh, without having to throw the football all over the lot. Again, run the football, play defense, pretty simple. No doubt. Look, we've talked, you and I have talked about this for many, many months now, and it's no secret. As I continuously maintain, the Saints should be a running football team, should run the ball significantly more this year for every single possible reason uh, that's evident. Number one, offensive line is the strength of this team. Number two, running back position is quite good. Number three, wide receiver position is questionable. Number four, you have a new starting quarterback and you don't know what to expect. So in week one, what we saw from the new quarterback was terrific. What we saw from the offensive line was terrific, even with an injury. Uh, that was key. What we saw from the running backs was terrific. And as a result, there was a terrific ending for the Saints before we even talk about the defense. I mean, if the Saints can play offense like that and rush the football the way they ran the football, they're going to be hard to beat. Well, they're going to be tough to beat. And look, this is a... I think this is a great matchup this week in this regard. You know, that Carolina front is good. Yeah, they are. And, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting, you know, Matt Rule comes in, and the first thing he does last year is he drafts, he spends his entire draft on defense. And between defense and free agency, they've really, between uh, free agency and the draft, they've really rebuilt their defense. And... Um, you know, six sacks against the Jets. Now, of course, they're playing a rookie quarterback. you got to take that into consideration. But you look at what they're doing. You know, D.J. Moore is a good receiver. 
McCaffrey is exceptional. We all know that. Uh, Sam Darnold did a really good job of, of, of not making the big mistake and, and being consistent last week. So to me, uh, this looks like another one of those head-knocking Carolina Saints games that we've seen so much of in the past. Yeah, very physical, good defenses. No Luke Keekley or Thomas Davis, right? But still a good-looking defense with a, a, a defense that's been invested in, as you mentioned, in the Saints defense, which was the next point we would get to. I mean, was just terrific last week. You know, one of the things we were concerned about when picked the Saints to have a losing season was the fact that they, they didn't have depth. Well, the depth has been called on already. And in week one, it showed up in great fashion. It's going to be called on in an even more serious fashion for week two. But when you look at the way the Saints defense played first and foremost, you had to be impressed. Alexander makes two plays right away on the first series. Marcus Davenport was a, was a menace uh, in that game and very difficult. Tano Kapasignan was really good when he was in there. Zach Bond looked the part of what he did in the preseason. Really good. Yeah, leading tackler. And then in the secondary, Marcus Williams makes a play. Cornerbacks look good. The rookie, Adebo, excellent. Really good defensive performance, Ed. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you, you got to be impressed by what they did. I think a couple of things. Um, to me, Green Bay looks like a very distracted football team. Uh, I don't know where they were on Sunday, but I, I think you could see that from the from the start. And uh, it was it was a it was a weird game because I almost felt like I was watching the Denver game last year. <laughs> when, when, when I, I know that sounds crazy, but when you knew the outcome of the game almost after it started, and it was like you know Green Bay just never they never got cooking, and um, and you know look uh, the the Saints. The, De the Saints did a really good job of blocking them at the point of attack. They just got all over those guys. And, and um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, at some point, what, what, what amazed me is that it's the end of the game, Kenny, or near the end of the game, and those guys are sitting on the bench, and, and they, don't look, they don't look like they're all uh, bent out of shape that they didn't win. And um, I know it's pro football, but I, I, I was – I was just surprised with their whole attitude about the whole thing. I really was. Well, I think we found out more about the Packers' mindset and about the, the, the way the Packers feel in that game. And it takes absolutely nothing away from what the Saints did. This has nothing to do with Green Bay, you know, being in disarray or anything else. The Saints deserve all the credit. The coaches deserve incredible credit for their preparation, the players for their execution. It was a thing of beauty. But I think there's a lot more to this whole Packers situation. All we heard is that, oh, you know, the teammates like Rodgers, that's not a distraction. I don't necessarily think that's true. And then, of course, with regard to Rodgers himself, after the game, he kind of refuted his own coach, whom he is said to have a good relationship with. Look, he's a diva, okay? You and I know that. He's an incredible player and talent, always has been. He gets so much love from national media all the time. But he's a diva, and... I don't know that you want a guy like that on your team, to be honest with you. I mean, when you compare what he has been to what Drew Brees was in terms of how they conduct themselves, the Saints should be thanking their lucky stars for that reason, among so many others, to have had Brees all these years. And even Jameis Winston, when you look at the way Winston is handling himself ever since he got here, unbelievably positive, smiling, shows leadership on and off the field. 
uh, is unbelievably complimentary of everyone around him, uh, gives Drew Brees all the credit, gives his teammates all the credit, thanks his coaches. And this is a guy that last year didn't get the call when Brees went down. He could have easily sulked or been upset instead. He just bit his lip, smiled, did his job, fought to get the job, got the opportunity, and, and the first time out was, was great. But, I mean, the comparison between the Saints quarterbacks and Rodgers in that regard is striking. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, first of all, when, when the Saints weren't very good, 14, 15, 16, there were seven and nine, three consecutive years. You never heard that from Drew Brees. Never. And, nope. um, you know, look, I got tipped off about Aaron Rodgers from somebody that I know, that I think you know, that used to work in Green Bay about the whole situation up there. Mm-hmm. Let's just leave it at that. And so that's kind of all coming to fruition. And if this guy's on the market next year, I, I, no matter what happens to the Saints season this year, I sure hope they don't pursue him. All right. I'm with you. Let let him let him go somewhere else, uh, wherever that may be. Um, You know, my guess is if Green Bay trades him, they'll trade him to somebody in the AFC. Uh, But, you know, let him let him move on and end his career somewhere else. And, uh, you know, it's a shame because the guy is immensely talented. All right. There's there's no other way of putting it. He he is immensely talented. But um, look, they'll 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 probably beat Detroit on Monday night. They're eleven and a half point. Uh, favorite in the game they'll they'll probably beat Detroit but you know for whatever reason I I just I'm I'm just reading the body language and I'm like wow these guys just got their doors blown off and and they don't look upset at all I just thought it was an interesting uh, sort of paradigm there well it is interesting and I'm curious to see where they're at but I'm more curious to see how the Saints are able to mitigate the difficulty of injuries, COVID and more, which we're going to talk about next. It's 504-260-1061 to participate. Ed and I return in a moment with more of the Three Tailgaters show on 1061 FM Nash Icon on the web at NashFM1061.com. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. Through its annual support of college football and amateur sports, the Sugar Bowl attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors to the state, providing countless opportunities for young people. Resources from these events enable the Sugar Bowl to support education and community programs impacting thousands of New Orleans area teachers and citizens. The All-State Sugar Bowl, proud to host the best of the Big 12 and the SEC in the Superdome on New Year's Day 2022. Top service, locally owned, outstanding deals, conveniently located, professionals motivated to sell where the customer comes first. That describes the experience at Premier Automotive Group, where you'll find the best prices anywhere on Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Kia. Premier Automotive offers a warranty for life on its vehicles and a money-back guarantee. Visit my friend Troy Duhon at one of his outstanding dealerships, Toyota of New Orleans, Premier Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Premier Honda in New Orleans, Premier Nissan in Metairie, and Premier Kia in Kenner. Exodus chapter 2 tells the story of the children of Israel in Egypt. It said they continued to groan under the burden of their bondage. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. It said God heard their groaning. He remembered His covenant promise to Abraham, and He looked down on the people of Israel, and He knew it was time to act. Well, let let me give you some more good news for right now. In the middle of your most difficult times, know this, God has not changed. He still sees, He still hears, He still remembers. This is Michael Green inviting you to join me and Linda this week at LifeGate, 1317 Butternut Avenue in Metairie. We start at 10 o'clock. We will worship and we will speak words of peace, encouragement, and Holy Spirit insight. 
Follow us on Facebook at LifeGate Church Ministries, or you can follow the messages on YouTube, Michael Green, LifeGate Ministries. But in the meantime, remember this, he sees, he hears, and he remembers. (laughs) That's good news. Running a business has enough challenges. Finding good employees should be one of them. Cumulus Media New Orleans is here to help you find employees you need now. Contact us today to be part of the Cumulus Top Jobs program by featuring your open jobs online and on the radio. It's easy, affordable, and most of all, it works. Email us today to get started at nolasales at cumulus.com or go online to nolacumuluscares.com. Cumulus Media New Orleans, digital and radio solutions that work because your business is our business. Ken Trahan here with Scott Craig of Francesca by Katie's Deli Pizzeria, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. We both love high school sports and the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a big amen. And we both love great food at a great location. That's a bigger amen. Francesca by Katie's hands and all. That includes daily specials, building your own sandwiches and pizzas, delicious burgers, scrumptious salads, and a kid's menu. Francesca by Katie's is also host of Ken Trahan's Original Prep Football Report. We love supporting our area schools. It's a shame not everybody can go to Brother Mark. Or Rommel. If you don't come, you're to blame. You'll be glad you came. Francesca by Katie's, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. Want to call an audible? Throw a flag? Call a technical? It's all good. Go for it now on a three tailgater show on 1061 Nash Icon, NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. Call now, 504-260-1061. So many injuries, coaches out with COVID, and a tough opponent on the road. And one week, first week of a season, oftentimes gives you False results, positive or negative. Not sounding the alarm about the Saints at all. I think they're a good team, but they're going to have to overcome enormous issues this week. All right, Ed, talk a little bit about how you see this with these injuries, the players uh, that are hurt, the ones that will be missing uh, each one, and, and how you think it's going to affect this team. Well, you know, Kenny, I do think it's going to affect this team. Um you know, if they if they, they, they don't have Lattimore, you you got to assume Roby's going to play. Uh, they don't have uh, Eric McCoy. They don't have Davenport. Uh, they don't have Quan Alexander. I mean, look, their their depth is being tested right off the bat. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if you go back to last year, they 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 beat Tampa Bay in the Superdome, played very well, didn't play very good the next week on the road against the Raiders. And, uh, you know, I, you know, Sean Payton probably brought that up this week. And, yep. and I think with with uh, with good reason. Um, so I just think it's going to be a tough game. And, you know, for for Carolina, this is one of those games where, you know, they're home. They got a chance to get out to a two and start. And I think the Saints are going to get everything they have and then some. And look, the Saints, have, the Saints have beaten them up pretty good lately. Now, look, this is the NFL. All right. And the one thing, the one thing, like I remember a conversation I had, and I'm not speaking out of turn. I had a conversation with Duke Riley when he came into the station a year or two to tape an interview when he was with the Falcons before he got traded to Philadelphia. All right. And one of the things that, that he said was, look, Saints Falcons is a big rivalry, but the thing that I'm trying to do week to week is get my body healthy to be able to play in another game. And, you know, to me, that's why, the NFL is so hard to predict because it is a week-to-week league. And, and what happened last week, I, I, you know, other than maybe giving the Saints some confidence as a team, I don't really think there's much carryover going into this week. I agree with you. It's a different week, different time, and, 
And can they mitigate the losses in this game? I mentioned Zach Bond earlier. He'll have to step up. You know, Davenport's hurt again. Peyton Turner's going to have to step up. Capacitor is hurt. Don't know. We'll see. Granderson, you know, may have to step up. Cam Jordan's still there. They held up well inside against the run. Didn't have to play many snaps last week, that's for sure. And then on the back end, C.J. Gardner-Johnson banged up. Marshawn Lattimore is hurt. They're going to have to call on Roby. They've got Trufant there. Uh, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. B.J. Williams, I mean, again, the question going into this season was the depth after all the guys they could not retain after last year. And yet for week one, the depth showed up. But now for week two, it's really going to be tested. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, look, there's, there's, there's no way other way to put that but to say, you know what, hey, this is, this is, uh, this is what we're up against. And, again, I think they're, they're up against a solid Carolina team that's well coached. And the one thing I would, I would say, again, about uh, Matt Rule, if you watch the way the guy operates at all the places that he's been, this is kind of following that footprint, all right? And uh, they're going to be competitive. They, they said, look, physically, we're, we're not winning in this division because we're not good enough up front. And I think what you're seeing is, in, in many respects, they're kind of copying the Saints' blueprint as far as trying to get better up front to be able to dominate. And that's the reason why the Saints have been such a consistent team over the, since the 2017 draft. They've been such a consistent team is because they've been a, a good football team up front. They've been very physical, and, and that's still how you win. We've talked about it many times. They invested on both sides up front, and it paid off handsomely as they hit it big. And there's no doubt that's really sustained them. Tony Jones Jr., he, he looked like he looked in the preseason in game one. I mentioned Bond the same way. So, you know, while training camp doesn't mean a whole lot, preseason games so far have been a little bit of a revelation in terms of leading into the regular season with regard to how some young players are looking. And these guys were perfect examples of that. Yep. And, you know, look, uh, this is a solid roster. I, I think we've, we've seen that. I think we understand it. And, um, again, um, I don't think they're as good as they were last week. I don't think Green Bay is as bad as they were last week for sure. But I still think the Saints are a, are a, are a good football team. But they're, they're going to be up against a team this week that is, that is going to – uh, going to try to out-tough them. And, and I don't, uh, you know, that's something that we didn't get from Green Bay. 2601061 to join us. Bottom line is, it's a tough division game. If the Saints can go on the road as a slight favorite and win, it will speak volumes. Then it becomes a question of how soon before other guys, a couple of guys placed on uh, the injury list. They're out three weeks as a result. And I guess, you know, the, the Traquan Smith thing is, frustrating but this is going to be it for him I think this was his telltale year regardless and then of course with Marcus Davenport same thing I mean this is basically a contract year we know he has ability but he's never been able to put it on the field consistently uh, injuries have played a large role in that and he's hurt again so I mean there's a couple of guys right there that you know we talked about it with Sheldon Rankins and we saw what ended up happening with him. They just couldn't invest in him and let him get, get away. These two guys might be in the same boat. 
Well, you know, the one thing I heard so much speculation about was after the draft is that Peyton Turner was drafted to replace Cam Jordan, all right? And I don't believe that for an instant. I think that Peyton Turner was drafted to replace Marcus Davenport because Marcus Davenport is a guy that, that obviously has ability. But the one thing that you look at when you look at Cam Jordan, I don't know how many more great years he has. This is his, what, 11th season in the NFL? So he can't be playing too, too much longer. But the one thing that Cam Jordan is, does is he answers the bell every week. All right? I can't remember many times when Cam Jordan was on the injury report. Can you? No. Right. And, I, I, I mean, I look at the injury report, and you know what? Look, I'm not saying this in a derogatory or negative way whatsoever. All right? But certain guys, I look on the injury report, they're always on the injury report. I, I can't remember Cam Jordan being on too many of those injury reports. So not only has a guy been outstanding, but he's been consistent. And that's a hard thing to replace. So, you know, the thing with Davenport is if he stays, he's going to want big numbers. And I think there's a price point there that the Saints will have to decide whether they can afford that or not. Agreed. And then I guess the last topic would be the coaches not participating. How much of a deal is that? Small deal, big deal? How do you see it? Well, um, you know, look, I think by Friday afternoon, when it comes to this game, the hay is in the barn. And, you know, you still got your, your, your coordinators on both sides. You still got the head coach. And, you know, I think you'll be able to work around it. Now, if it was an issue where if Dennis Allen wasn't available or Sean Payton or Pete Carmichael wasn't available, and I'm not diminishing the role of the other coaches, but when you still have both of your coordinators and your head coach who's the play caller, I still think you're in pretty good shape. I think they'll be able to handle it. I mean, it's adjustment, but they knew about it. I think the point you made was, was the right point, which is they had time to prepare for it. They knew right. it wasn't yeah, like it know, happened on Friday or Thursday, you know? Right. You know, Kenny, look, you know by Friday afternoon, all right, by Friday afternoon after your, your hour and a half practice on a Friday before a Sunday game, the hay's in the barn. You've, you've, on, on Friday afternoon, you've, you've worked on third down. You've worked on red zone. Uh, you, you've done everything you need to do, and uh, everything uh, as far as a preparation standpoint has been done. Plus, look, I know people want to make a big deal out of it, but, you know, look, it is football, all right? And uh, guys aren't going to be running uh, something that they haven't rehearsed numerous times. I mean, it's, it's a game of repetition. It is football, and, I, and this is professional football. As Coach Bryce was talking about earlier, you know, the difference or Archie was between pro and college. This is a job. These guys will figure it out. It's 504-260-1061. That's 260-1061. If you'd like to join us, we have one more segment to go as we continue in just a moment. Glad you're with us on this Saturday morning. He's Ed Daniels. I'm Ken Trahan. Our producer is Rudy Dixon. This is the Three Tailgaters Show, and we'll return in just a moment here on 1061 FM Nash Icon. And on the web at NashFM1061.com. 
I gotta tell you, the Ford F-150 and I, well, we're kind of like family. Ford's the number one selling truck in America for 42 years, and Lamarck's the number one Ford dealer. So come get your number one truck from your number one dealer, Lamarck Ford, where everybody gets remarkable deals and service. And wait till you see what we've done and still doing to the big store in Kenna. We're using local money, not Wall Street money. Visit Lamarck.com for more details. Drive safely, my friends. Number one claim based on 2018 new Ford vehicle retail sales report in Memphis Region Zone E. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. Through its annual support of college football and amateur sports, the Sugar Bowl attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors to the state, providing countless opportunities for young people. Resources from these events enable the Sugar Bowl to support education and community programs impacting thousands of New Orleans area teachers and citizens. The All-State Sugar Bowl, proud to host the best of the Big 12 and the SEC in the Superdome on New Year's Day 2022. Ken Trahan here with Scott Craig of Francesca by Katie's Deli Pizzeria, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. We both love high school sports and the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a big amen. And we both love great food at a great location. That's a bigger amen. Francesca by Katie's hands and all. That includes daily specials, building your own sandwiches and pizzas, delicious burgers, scrumptious salads, and a kid's menu. Francesca by Katie's is also host of Ken Trahan's Original Prep Football Report. We love supporting our area schools. It's a shame not everybody can go to Brother Mark. Or Rommel. If you don't come, you're to blame. You'll be glad you came. Francesca by Katie's, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. Family owned and operated by a great local family, Bergeron Volvo at 3525 Veterans Boulevard in Metairie has a full stock of fabulous 2021 vehicles with a wide range of the XC series, including the XC40, the XC60, and the XC90. If you are looking for a luxury sedan, see the S60 or S90. Don't forget the XC90 hybrid or rugged V90 cross country from Bergeron Volvo. Visit BergeronVolvoCars.com. To experience our idea of luxury, visit Bergeron Volvo on Vets in Metairie or online at BergeronVolvo.com today. Last chance today. Call the Three Tailgaters Show at 260-1061. Back to Ken Trahan and Ed Daniels. Final segment begins on this Saturday morning. I'm at Chad Gormley where the clouds have rolled in. It's gotten dark here, but we've got great games to come here. 145 pregame, play-by-play, 2 o'clock St. Charles Catholic against the Duasal Cavaliers. Jonah Keller will join me on the call here on 106.1 FM and at CrescentCitySports.com. And then tonight here at Tan Gormley, live on CrescentCitySports.com, the St. Augustine Purple Knights and the Zachary Broncos. And that's on CrescentCitySports.com. Hope you'll join us for that. 260-1061, Kurt's in New Orleans. Hi, Kurt. Thanks for calling. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning. A uh, friend of mine, man, real quick, a coach that I was talking with, he said, man, don't underestimate don't underestimate uh, McCoy and, and him being out with this game. It's gonna it's gonna affect us, you know. Um, how do y'all feel about McCoy being out and the other injuries? We got a, we got a few injuries, you know, already, you know. Well, I mean, Eric McCoy is a good player, and they did a really good job in Game One with Throckmorton stepping in, and of course with you know Ruiz moving to center. Now Clap not available certainly would have been one move. Uh, just to replace the center, but obviously that wasn't the case, and they had to make two moves. So, yeah, I mean, anytime you're without your guy that initiates every play, it's an issue. The good news is Cesar Ruiz, that's what he did at Michigan, and a lot of people thought he'd be the center here and not the guard at right guard, but uh, he's capable of doing it. We'll see how Throckmorton holds up in game two against a good front that Ed alluded to earlier. So, yeah, Ed, it's definitely, uh, definitely a loss, definitely an impact, right? Well, not only that, now the other team has a chance to prepare for it as well. And to me, 
That's important because, as you know, Kenny, the NFL is all about one-on-one matchups. And uh, they're going to try to do everything they can to exploit another player's inexperience or move to another position. And they're going to do everything they can to be ready for it. Yeah, right there with you. I mean, I think it's it's critical. I mean, having a week to prepare makes a big difference as compared to the adjustment in game. I agree. Also so concerned def- about uh, the defensive tackle number ninety is how questionable is he because he's making such an impact. Um, well, we don't he- know that. I mean, they're not going to okay. tell you. You know, they're just yeah. they're just going to yeah. they're, they're not going to tell you the specifics about it. They never do. So we don't yeah. know. I mean, all I can say is tune in. You know, watch the game and see who's out there. We don't know. I mean, if guys can play, they'll play. If they can't, they won't. I, I don't know because they're not going to reveal that to you. And yeah. that's not criticism. Yeah. That's just the nature yeah. of how they go about their business. And I get it. They don't want the opposition to know either. So don't know. We, we don't see practice. They're not here. They're in Dallas, by the way. I think Sean Payton likes them being there, frankly, because they're away from all the, the stuff, you know. And I think it definitely – I think that's actually something that he likes and maybe something that he thinks has actually helped the team, Ed. Well, I, I think he, he liked the fact that there wasn't a lot of people in the building after the pandemic and, and yeah. that people were working from home. I, I think he's, uh, he's uh, uh, you know, he's paranoid. And, and uh, uh, paranoid people like to be alone, and I'm not saying that as a, as a negative, but coaches by nature are paranoid, and I think uh, he's exceptionally paranoid. And you know what? It's worked for him. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is reminiscent of when they used to train in West Virginia. They liked the idea of being away and of not having to to deal with the distractions, and I think that's part of it. Now, he's already said they're going to go back to Dallas next week, and they're not going to return to Metairie until after the Patriots game. So uh, they're stretching it out another week. I guess part of that is understandable. They want to make sure everything's functioning here properly and and have everything in place. The other part of it is, as I said, I really think he likes this. I really do. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Sure thing, Kurt. Thank you. Uh, 260-1061 to join us. Look, uh, Sean Payton is a great coach. Uh, He's proven that time after time. But Sean Payton also always looks for motivation. Sean Payton is always going to look for every edge imaginable. And he's going to be in a situation where he is going to have his team prepared very well. And he'll use everything to do that. And the lack of distractions, that's one of the things he's always thrived on. And is always welcome with this team. And like I said, I really think he relishes the fact that they are away from it all right now. And they've been treated well since they've been in the Dallas metro area, too. So there's that. Bottom line is they got to go out and play and got to go out and find a way to win this game. And you know what, Kenny? Look, let, let's be honest. A college team is returning this week. All right? A college team, Tulane University, they're yep. coming back tomorrow. Yep. They're returning. Yep. So if a college team is returning, an NFL team could certainly return if they wanted to. Well, I think you, you made my said, point, right? He, yeah. Exactly. He he loves he loves being away from from everything, and you know that's why uh, for years they they went other places for camp. Yep. And 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 he's 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 one of those people, and believe me. Um, and, and I'm not saying this as, as a negative, but as a fact, he is a paranoid individual. And um, and this play, this, 
this kind of stuff is right into his wheelhouse. Definitely plays to his strengths. I mean, he has a lot of those, and, and this team's resiliency will be on full display again. Final thought, Ed, before we close it out. Clearly, as we said, the Saints should run the ball. They ran it great last week, but you know teams are going to do everything to try to take that away and try to make the Saints' questionable receiving core prove they can beat you and try to make Jameis Winston prove he can beat you. That, that's inevitable, right? Right. Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And look, um, the one thing that the Panthers are going to be able to do, you would think, is rush four, drop seven. And that's the key. If they can get the numbers game uh, going in, in, on, in their behalf, then it's going to be a situation where Jameis Winston's going to have to make more throws. And at some point, look, you can't go through an entire NFL season where a quarterback doesn't have to win some games for you. And he's going to be called on to do that. He will indeed. Uh, so it's going to be a very intriguing game tomorrow to see how the Saints are able to handle uh, this particular situation against the Panthers. Uh, and, you know, to get off to a 2-0 start, they haven't done that in a few years. Would be big for this team. We'll see if they can find a way to pull it off. Again, we want to remind you, we've got Dillis Al and St. Charles Catholic live here on 1061 FM, 145 pregame, play-by-play at 2. The game will be simulcast live at Crescent City Sports. Com. And then coming up tonight at 7 on CrescentCitySports.com, it's St. Augustine and Zachary here from Tag Gormley Stadium.